0: part one of wongo and the wise old crow by grace and carl moon this librivox recording is in the public domain part one a daring plot section two chapter three wongo has a wild night left alone with the navajo dogs and the indian man-house so near at hand Wango hesitated for a moment before deciding to go up to the hole in the mysterious house but this mighty appeal to his curiosity overpowered his fears and he started toward the spot of light his heart beating wildly with excitement he reached the little hole in the wall of the hogan and cautiously put his eye to it what a sight met his startled gaze there were several navajo men in the house and two or three little men had called them boys the first thing that caught Wango's wondering attention was the fire. There it was, right in the center of the manhouse. It was alive, and was eating sticks and bits of bark that popped and cracked as they died. And as it ate it, it seemed to leave a white dust that danced up into the light, when the men prodded the fire with a stick. Heat seemed to come from it, like the heat from the sun. Wongo had never seen anything like it before. On the floor around the fire sat the Indians, and the voice of one of the boy-men drew Wongo's attention away from the fire. One old man was making something with straight sticks, and the boy-man asked, "'Why must the feathers be put on the end of the arrows, father?' "'It is the tail feathers of the bird that makes the bird fly straight.' and it is the feathers of the arrow's tail that makes it go straight when it leaves the bowstring replied the old man why do you make long little grooves on the side of the arrow father asked the boy-man when the arrow goes into the deer the grooves let the blood come out at the sides if no grooves are there the arrow fills the wound and the deer may run far and get away before he's dead wango drank in this information and put it into the back of his thoughts for future use then his eye wandered around the circle of men some holding long sticks in their lips from which came little blue clouds like the larger clouds from the fire this was confusing and he could not understand it then his gaze fell suddenly on a man unlike any he had ever seen before He sat back on the farther side of the fire, against the wall of the man-house. His skin was white, and the lower part of his face had long hair on it, like the hair on the throat of the timber wolf in winter, only the man-hair was black. Just back of the man with the white skin was a long shining stick, standing against the wall suddenly the thought came to wongo that the white-skinned man was the squaw man and the shining stick of strange shape was the gun thing that could shoot to kill a bear a little shiver of fear crept over him when the silence was broken again by the boy-man who asked would the arrow from a strong bow kill a bear father we do not send the arrow at the bear witch, said the man. It would not kill, but would anger the witch to great madness and trouble, big trouble of much sickness, would come upon us all. Then came the strange voice of the squaw man, and all of the others in the hogan listened closely as he spoke. Do my red brothers go with me to get the live bear when the sun is up to-morrow? he asked. No one spoke for some time, and then an old man near the fire replied, "'We will go, and make much noise with the drum and rattle, and will beat the ground with the sticks, as you wish, but we will not help to catch the bear-witch, nor send arrows at him. We do not go, if you are to kill the bear-witch, and we go only near the bear-cave, not close.' "'That is all that I ask,' said the squaw-man. Suddenly there came a great noise from the other side of the man-house, followed by the loud barking of running dogs, and the snort of frightened horses. Running quickly toward the sheep corral, Wango jumped over the low gate, and made a grab in the darkness. What luck, he thought, as he lifted an animal into his arms, and holding it tight round the neck, he made off with it at top speed, but he had gone only a short distance when he discovered that there was something wrong with the sheep. It seemed too slick to hold easily, and its legs and neck were longer than any of the sheep he had stolen before. Suddenly the animal began to squirm, and to kick and twist about, in so vigorous a manner, Wango could scarcely hold it at all. It seemed to be all legs and feet it went through such rapid contortions that the little bear was forced to change his hold on it so many times he became confused in the darkness and could not for the life of him tell whether he held the sheep right side up or upside down but that point was decided for him a moment later by the animal itself who with a sudden twist jabbed its horns so hard into his lowest ribs that he gave a grunt of anger and disgust you are a common cactus-eating goat cried Wango, addressing the animal and it's too late to take you back and i can't kill you here or turn you loose he added desperately <sighs> bleated the goat feebly but loud enough to frighten Wango into making a sudden grab for its neck for he had been holding it tightly about the hindquarters thinking he gripped it round the throat with a great effort he swung the animal up on his shoulder with head well forward where it could do no damage and had started on with a fresh spurt of speed when he suddenly tripped over a vine and down went bear and goat in a tumbling heap wongo had sufficient presence of mind to keep a tight hold upon his prisoner when he fell the goat having turned a complete somersault lit squarely on his feet facing wango who having but three feet to use had fallen awkwardly in a sitting position on his haunches one foreleg extended with the paw tightly holding his prisoner back of the horns then although the goat could not go backward nothing prevented him from going forward and acting on the instant the thought came to him he gave a lunge head downward (sighs) <sighs> ejaculated wongo as the animal's head landed against the pit of his stomach and to keep himself from going over backwards with the shock of the blow he was forced to use all four feet thus giving the goat the chance it wanted off it sped like a white streak through the sage and in an instant Wango was in pursuit confused with fear the goat headed straight for the mouth of the canyon up which lay the trail having secured a little start of the bear the goat was running for his life and making good time realizing that they were going in the very direction he would have to carry his prisoner anyway Wango kept just close enough to the goat to frighten it into greater speed knowing that once in the canyon the goat would stick to the path where there was fair footing rather than attempt to plunge into the rocks or thick bushes on either side on into the canyon sped the two animals the goat as wongo had guessed keeping to the trail the goat was becoming less frightened had he not butted the bear over had he not run for some time faster than his pursuer could run he was suddenly filled with confidence and felt that he had a chance a good chance to get away from his enemy as they sped upward, Wango began to realize that they were nearing old Grouch's patch of forbidden ground, and he had just caught the outline of the big vine-covered rock over which he was to jump after leaving his sheep, when he heard a savage growl from just ahead, and he suddenly realized that his old enemy had met them on the trail. Stopping instantly, Wango began to walk backward as fast as he could to the big rock and as he did so he heard a surprised woof from out of the darkness ahead, a sound of tumbling in the brush, then a sharp clatter of small hoofs that seemed to retreat over the rocks far to the left of the trail. Jumping quickly over the big rock, Wango ran at top speed round the side of the mountain. He had run but a little way when his sensitive nose told him that Kaw's friend, the polecat, had kept his promise on ran wongo never stopping until he had circled the mountain and reached the flat-topped rock near his cave he had scarcely stretched himself out for a short rest when he heard the flapping wings of kaw who flew up singing as he came Two plotters they plotted a plot and their plans were all laid to the dot then they said let us meet in a chosen retreat and see if our scheme works or not well said caw as he ended the last line of his rhyme with a chuckle my crow friends and i surely aroused that peaceful little indian camp in great shape we flew so low and kept up such an uproar the dogs followed us for half a mile and we gave the squaw man's horses such a scare it is going to take all of the men about the place to round them up if they want to make an early start in the morning wongo then told kaw of his adventures since the crow had left him near the hogan not omitting a single detail of his experience with the goat nor of the final meeting with old grouch at the end of the little bear's recital the crow seemed so delighted he could scarcely contain himself for mirth dancing around first on one foot and then on the other and keeping a peculiar kind of time by flapping one wing against his side he sang in a high key oh mr quack you're out of luck said the cunning little froggy to the spoon-beal duck excuse my haste for i must away or there'll be no ceremony on my wedding day old grouch will surely be out of luck to-morrow unless all signs fail he added as he settled down into a more serious attitude did you say that after you and the goat met old grouch you heard the clatter of the goat's hoofs as though he were running away he asked incredulously yes said Wongo. when the goat met old grouch there was a dull sounding bump and the old rascal gave a surprised grunt and seemed to thrash around a moment beside the trail then i heard the clatter of the goat's hoofs on the rocks at the other side and he sounded as though he were going like the wind well well said kaw shaking again with mirth i never expected to hear anything like that and i thought i was used to unexpected things too there is still work to be done before the night is over it's time you were warning the other bears on the mountain and i must be off to find that goat and tell him how to get back to his friends in the corral below before some night prowling timber wolf comes across him he certainly has earned his life and besides he added thoughtfully i may want to use him some time and it's just as well to do him a good turn as part pay for the service he unknowingly rendered us to-night have you many calls to make before your trip of warning is over he asked a good many said Wango. there's old mrs black who has her cave about a mile above mine the two brown brothers who live over on the point mrs grizzly who lives with her two cubs over on the other side of the hill and perhaps ten or twelve of our various friends who live across the valley and i must not forget our friend Long Ears, the crippled jackrabbit who lives in the briar thicket the indians might try an arrow on him needn't waste your sympathy on him said Kaw. he committed suicide last week why exclaimed wongo in surprise i can't believe it how did it happen he was always such a good-humoured rascal well said kaw he found a grey timber wolf asleep in front of his den and thinking it would be a good joke he playfully kicked him in the ear uh oh, grunted wango sadly he was a droll fellow but too thoughtless i suppose where will you advise our friends to go tonight asked kaw there is only one good place where there will be food and plenty of water for all of us and that is over the two ranges to the north good place said Kaw, better than this in fact i know every inch of the big valley and the stream there runs into a beautiful lake far over to the north beyond the black hills "'Let's see. When the sun is straight overhead tomorrow, you will have reached the big aspen grove on the east side of the second mountain. I will meet you there, and tell you all about the squaw man's big hunt for the live bear. I expect to watch the fun from the top of the tall pine that stands by the side of old Grouch's cave, and if you were not so touchy about roosting, I might ask you to join me there.' He added with a grin but i will try and give you a full account of all that happens and so the two friends separated each to continue his night's work chapter four the sad tale of old grouch when the sun looked down from over the mountain the next morning it saw an unusual sight a long though peaceful procession of bears foxes wolves and even coyotes went stringing along a dim trail leading toward the north a large herd of timid deer, sensing the fact that there must be danger somewhere, or the other animals would not be leaving the country at this season of the year, trailed cautiously in the rear. Over the foothills and plains and little ravines traveled the procession, headed by Wongo. Through groves of big, clean pine trees and over long stretches of sage-covered hills they went, never slackening the speed of their shuffling trot it seemed to wongo that it was the longest morning he had ever spent and he was just wondering if the sun could be standing still just by way of playing a joke on him when on rounding a sharp point he saw the big aspen grove a little way ahead then he noticed that he was stepping squarely on his shadow as he ran and he could do that only when the sun was in the middle of the sky as they entered the edge of the first group of beautiful white trees Wango looked all around for kaw but it was evident he had not arrived as he never waited for Wango to look for him as his sharp eyes could see the bear a long way and he always knew where the bear was long before Wango knew his crow friend was in the same neighborhood weary with the work of the night before and the long journey of the morning the little bear stretched himself out luxuriously on the beautiful yellow carpet of the aspen leaves he would rest a bit he thought he would not sleep no sleep was not to be thought of for kaw might come along at any moment now and if he were asleep the crow might not find him Shielding his eyes from the sun with his paw, he began to think of the experiences of the night before by way of keeping himself awake, but his thoughts wandered into a jumble of Indians with horns, goats on fire, and the squaw man catching crows with arrows that had wings, a confusion of thoughts that led him into the land of slumber. How long he slept he did not know, but he suddenly became conscious that someone was speaking to him, or laughing at him and he sat up with a jerk on a stump a few feet away sat kaw going over his wing feathers with his beak by way of straightening himself up a bit after a long flight he was mumbling to himself and keeping up all the time a low chuckle that occasionally rose to a laugh seeing that wongo was awake he said "'It is well that you take kindly to sleep, friend Wongo, as it is about the only thing that has ever defeated your curiosity.' "'Oh, I was just resting a bit while I was waiting for you to come,' said Wango apologetically. "'Just resting?' remarked Kaa dryly. "'So I have observed for the past twenty minutes.' "'Have you been on that stump for twenty minutes?' asked Wango sheepishly. "'Yes,' replied Kaa. "'Thought I'd better let you sleep for a while.' you and that goat must have had a ripping hard run last night. I didn't find the poor animal until about daybreak this morning. He was dragging himself slowly down the mountain, many miles the other side of the canyon, and was the most forlorn-looking beast I've ever looked upon. Although he looked quite thin and dejected, he still had some fire in his eye. When the poor rascal caught sight of me, he suddenly changed his limping shuffle into an upstanding walk and attempted a swagger that was surely funny. I had considerable difficulty in persuading him that I wished to tell him how to get home, for he was going in exactly the wrong direction. After I told him a bit about your experience with him, he was so surprised that I should know of it, he listened to reason quite readily. When I finally left him, he was still holding to the swagger for my benefit, and as he disappeared in the brush, I thought to myself, if he hasn't been the boss of that sheep corral in the past he will be from now on wongo did not wish to be impolite enough to interrupt the crow's recital about the goat but he was fairly squirming inside with desire to know all about the squaw man's hunting trip seeing that the crow had finished his account of the goat he asked did the squaw man and the indians go on their hunt and did they find my trail and- oh one question at a time interrupted kaw now that you have told all of the other bears about our experience of last night they will be as interested in the outcome as you are go call them and i will tell the story to all of you wango lost no time in rounding up the other bears that had come with him and all seemed eager to hear what had happened during the squaw man's hunting trip as the bears lined up in a row kaw took a commanding position on a low limb of a tree that stood just in front of them and from the half-dreamy half-droll expression in his eyes wango could see that his friend had something very interesting and perhaps humorous to relate pausing a moment for absolute quiet kaw began it was just about daylight when i flew up to the tree near the den of old grouch I watched from my lookout for quite a long time and was beginning to get restless when I saw the hunters coming in long single file. The squaw man with his dogs was in the lead. He was holding the dogs back with thongs that were tied around their necks. The Indian men had rattles and tom-toms, though they made no noise. The boys had clubs and sticks, and some had bows and arrows with which to shoot at small game. Far back of the squaw man came the Navajos, they kept to the trail and your tracks were very clear wongo for they followed them easily when they came to the place where you and the goat met old grouch they stopped for a look then they ran back and forth and they whispered and talked they looked all around and it was plain they were not sure about your tracks i suspect the goat tracks confused them for your trail stopped at the rock and bear tracks seemed ended while goat tracks went on it got on my nerves when they started to gather about the high point where you jumped over the vine-covered rock but just about that time the dogs got the scent of old grouch and in no time the squaw man caught sight of his den he told the indians to go around the den to the rear he said when i signal you start the big noise then he handed the leather rope that led his dogs to one of the boys well soon all of the indians were back of the den all ready to start at the squaw man's signal. Suddenly, there broke loose a most unearthly noise. I have never heard anything like it. Talk about giving old Grouch a scare. Well, he was the most frightened animal I ever saw in my life. At first he let out a half-hearted growl, but that soon changed to a sound that was half whine and half yelp. In a terrible panic, he started out of the cave and down the trail, lickety split and i thought now the hunter will use his gun but he didn't he had in his hand what he called a rope then i thought well old grouch you've got a chance to get away one end of the rope was tied fast to a tree and i soon saw what the squaw man was to do with the other end he swung that rope around his head and just what happened next i couldn't see for a cloud of dust arose just where the rope and old grouch met but when the dust settled enough to see well and caw chuckled as he thought of what had occurred and lapsed into rhyme as the only medium that would do justice to the occasion well there was old grouch like a cat in a fit he thrashed and he tumbled he scratched and he bit but his efforts were vain the rope held him tight surely never was bare in more comical plight pawing the air on his hind legs he rose but the rope tripped his feet and he lit on his nose and then he got up with a look of surprise and the fire of his anger blazed up in his eyes he growled and he snorted he kicked up the dirt though he'd had many bumps twas his pride that was hurt well when he'd fought till he'd worn himself out they tied up his legs with a thong good and stout and rolling him onto a thing called a sled down through the bed of the canyon they sped by the time the crow had finished the bears were laughing until the tears ran down their cheeks they danced with glee and rolled over on the ground in fits of mirth all of which was thoroughly enjoyed by Ka, who looked down upon them with a comical twist of his head that showed he felt fully satisfied with his adventure and the outcome after the noise of laughter had died down Wango, who was still curious as to the fate of old crouch asked do you suppose they got the old rascal into the cage thing all right well i wanted to make sure of that myself replied Ka. So after I'd had my breakfast and a bath in the pool at the foot of the canyon, I flew out over the foothills to see what was going on. There were the squaw man's horses trailing along over the plain, with the wagon thing rolling along behind them in a little cloud of dust. As I neared the wagon thing, I saw our old friend Grouch safely inside the cage and pacing back and forth like a bee-stung bobcat i could not resist having a bit of fun with the old beggar so as i came up alongside i called out to him come outside my old friend a bear of your age should enjoy a walk through the cool green sage i had to shout it out pretty loud to be heard above the rumble of the wagon but he heard it all right and the way he looked at me was something to be remembered he growled and butted his old head against the sides of the cage thing in such a temper i said Oh, well, if you must be going, I won't try to detain you any longer. Then I called out to him as the wagon rumbled away Goodbye, my old friend. A dozen goodbyes. To see you depart brings tears to my eyes. As onward you go, may your speed never slack. But let me suggest that you never come back. When the crow had finished the account of his farewell to Grouch, he flew slowly out over the hills, and Wongo was to see him no more until they would meet beyond the Black Mountains to visit the cave of Cho Gay, the Indian boy. End of part one, section two.